praise God. It's a walk by faith. The Lord told Abraham, he promised him through his seed Isaac. He said, you're going to possess a land. There's, there's going to be a land that flows with milk and honey. But it was years and years and years that passed by. And Abraham never really got to see that land the way that we know the land today. But God put his hand on a boy by the name of Moses in Egypt. When all the firstborn children, all the boys, all the, all the male children of, of Israel were being thrown into the river. God put something in his mother's heart and said, put him, put him in a little ark, pitch it within and without. Protect him and then put him in the river. And I know people think it's just coincidence. But as Moses was put in that little ark of protection... Scripture said that he began to cry out. And God knew. You don't have to believe it, but I believe I know who controls the current. And God carried that little baby just into the right place. At just the right time. And Pharaoh's daughter said, I believe I hear something over there. Somebody go check and see what that is. And God put his hand on that boy and preserved him. But that wasn't the end of the story. One of the handmaids looked at her and said, hey. You want me to go find a Hebrew mother that can nurse this baby? said, oh yeah. She went and got Moses' mother. Brought her to Pharaoh's house. And God let his own mother hold him, coddle him, pour into him, feed him, and love him. And every day of his life, she would rock back and forth. I believe it's sitting in the grandeur of that majestic palace. She would rock back and forth and say, you will never be an Egyptian. You may have been born in Egypt, but you will never be an Egyptian, son. You are a Hebrew. The hand of God is on you. Hallelujah. And the Bible said that he was led out into the wilderness. And the Lord told him, he said, I'm going to use you to deliver the children of Israel. And so long story short, they come back. He comes back into Israel, goes through ten plagues. And finally the Lord allows the, the heart of Pharaoh to be softened. And he sends him out into the wilderness. And the Lord begins to speak to Moses about order and structure in the people. They were a people that were delivered, but they did not have structure and order. And uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that tonight, but that's a powerful principle that you can be out of the world and still not have the structure of God in your life. And the Lord spoke to Moses and he said to him in Exodus 23, uh, I'm just going to read one short verse to you. And we'll discuss the context of it. Exodus 23 and verse 20. He said, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place, listen to this, which I have prepared. I've sent an angel ahead of you. I told Abraham this was coming, but you're, you're going to be the man that gets them ready. You're going to be the one that leads them to the crossover moment. Joshua takes them in. But Moses, I want you to understand that I'm not just sending you into the wilderness haphazardly. There is a place that I have prepared for you. But the prepared place is for a prepared people. I'm going to preach to you tonight about a prepared place. For prepared people. Would you put your Bibles down tonight. And let's call on the Lord. I feel him close. God I know you're working. 
Hallelujah. Come on, church, help me tonight. Somebody cry out. We need the Lord to touch somebody in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Great God of heaven and earth, meet us in this house. Let your name be glorified in this place, Lord Jesus. Let your name be glorified in this house tonight, Lord. We'll thank you and give you the praise and the glory for you alone deserve it, great God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Could we just fill this room with a 47th Psalm tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Clap your hands, oh you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Help me tonight, would you? Everybody shout amen. amen. You may be seated tonight. Thank you for standing for so long. I hope you don't get too attached to that cotton chair tonight. Amen. I want the Lord to help us in this place. It's going to be a little bit different for a Sunday night. But after lunch today, I just came back here to the church, sat in my office seeking after the face of the Lord. And somebody was wrestling with whether or not to be here tonight. You went ahead and came anyhow. And the Lord knew that you were coming. I'm going to try to touch somebody's heart tonight with the Word of God. How many of you still believe it'll work when nothing else will? I believe that. I believe that. And I may sound old-fashioned, but I still believe that. I believe that the preached Word of God can absolutely change anything in anybody's life when they hear the Word and they do the Word. But the danger is just hearing the Word And walking out and saying, oh, thank the Lord for another sermon. Amen. But we need God to do something in our hearts that moves us beyond emotionalism and moves us beyond exhilaration. I want God's word to permeate and saturate the walls of my heart and my mind. Amen. I want God to help us in this place. We touched on it just a little earlier, but the key phrase of Exodus 23 and 20 is found in this. To bring thee to a place which I have prepared for thee. I'm bringing you to a place that I have prepared. This was the purpose of God for Israel all along. It was prophetic given to Abraham. That he would bring them into the land to possess what he had promised them. But I'm going to teach to you tonight a principle That I don't ever want you to forget. It's super easy. It's super simple. But I don't ever want you to forget it. I want to get this in somebody's spirit tonight. You will never possess Canaan sitting in Egypt. You will never possess the promise while you're still sitting in Egypt. There is a way that seems right to a man. And oftentimes as we look through the spirit and the heart of the children of Israel in the wilderness, we see that that way that seemed right to them was returning back to what God had brought them from. But understand that you will never possess the promise of God moving backwards from where the Lord has brought you already. 
I grew up with the kind of preaching. There are people in this church that, that heard this same kind of preaching as they grew up around the church when Bishop Bingham would preach messages and would say phrases like this, that somebody will backslide five minutes before Jesus comes. Somebody's going to get tired of fighting the fight. Somebody's going to get tired of wielding the blood-stained banner. Somebody is going to get tired of hanging in there just doing what they can and doing what they know to do. Somebody is going to throw in the towel and quit just before they cross the finish line. But you will never possess the promises of God just hanging around Egypt. You'll never possess the promise desiring to go back to what he brought you out of. There is a glorious inheritance that God has for us as the New Testament church. But we've got to learn this principle from the Old Testament body. That the way of God is moving forward. As a matter of fact, right in the middle of this passage from Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land. The Bible said that there was a short season of time, however long it was, that they compassed the same mountain over And over and over and over. I don't know how many times they did. I don't know how long they were there. But I do know this. That the Lord came through Moses and said to them. It's time for you to go northward. Somebody say up. It's time for you to go up. Because you have compassed this mountain long enough. How long was it? It was too long. How long did they wrestle with it? For too long. Until finally God said, you've been here for too long. You've wrestled with this for too long. And if you're ever going to possess, you got to move up. you got to move out. you got to keep on moving. I'm telling you, it does us no good for God to bring us out of Egypt. For us to get hung up in the wilderness and die in the process. The sad part about the Exodus account. Is that there was an entire generation of people that died in the process. Mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't expect anybody going to do backflips on that. I believe if you can make it through the process. Then you can possess the promise. But we find out that the most difficult thing that Moses had to do with the children of Israel was not. Although... The Exodus story begins by telling us how difficult it was to get them out of Egypt. But that was not the most difficult thing that Moses had to do to get them out of Egypt. The most difficult thing he had to do was get Egypt out of them. As long as you're desiring to go back to what God brought you out of, you can rest assured you haven't got it out of you yet. I'm going to tell you what true conversion looks like in the hearts of some people. And I'm just going to break this down in a way that we all understand it. And I'm not saying that you got to be rude and you got to turn your back on people. But I'm saying this, that true conversion looks like some bridge burning. When you've truly been converted, you don't do what you used to do and expect the Holy Ghost to just keep you safe. You know, the New Testament, Paul wrote it and he said like this. He said that once you have tasted of that heavenly gift and you walk away from that, and this is his analogy, not mine. He said, you're like a pig that's wallowing in the mire. He said, you're like a pig that's wallowing in the mud. 
And then he said this, and this is important to understand that it's coming from a Hebrew man. He said, you're like a dog returning to its vomit. You're like a dog that's going back to what has already come out of you. Oh, I wish somebody would help me right there. What's already been delivered out of you, you're returning back to that. He said, but be very careful. There's a danger in that because once the house has been swept clean... He said, if you go back to what you have been delivered from, he said, that devil that God delivered you from, it's going to join itself to seven more devils. And it's going to come back and join to you with seven more devils. What's that mean? That means you are going to have to fight harder than you've ever fought to get back to where you've been. But if you want it bad enough, if God could deliver you from one, he'll deliver you from seven. battle the battle was not in the mind of God I want this to be crystal clear tonight the battle was not in the mind of God the battle was in the mind of the people that may be one of the best things I'll say all night God's not changing his mind about his people God hasn't changed his mind. I'm telling you, everything that he laid out is still right. You got to come out from sin. You got to live holy. You got to live separated. And you're going to make it someday. If you'll just hang on, you're going to go to heaven. I still believe it. God hasn't changed his mind about that. You've got to prepare yourself. If you're going to go to the place that God has prepared for you, then you've got to be prepared. If you believe it, shout amen. God cannot give you your blessed land while you're still in the evil land. God cannot give you possession if you're still possessed. Oh my, my. You will never experience the promises that God has for you. As long as you're still wrestling with the same old thing. That you've always wrestled with. God did not save the children of Israel out of Egypt so that they could rejoice in their exodus. God brought them out to bring them in. But in order to bring them in, He had to wring them out. God gave them a leader by the name of Moses that Ascended into the heavens and God was speaking to them. The very first thing that God spoke to Moses was there's going to be no other gods but me. And while God was speaking that to Moses and their leader, his brother Aaron was in the valley. And he was grinding up gold and he was making an idol god. While God was saying don't have anything else before me, they're down there putting something else before God. Do you know where they got the idea of idolatry? Where they came from. Watch this now. So here's the principle that I'm trying to get to you. So God brings them out of the land of idolatry. Brings them into the wilderness. To take them to the promised land. And rather than just turn and go back to Egypt. I'm fixing to mess with some people right here. Rather than turn and go back to Egypt, to the land of idolatry, Aaron agrees with the people, we'll just build it here. We'll just bring our past with us. But we'll make it our idea and make it look just a little bit different. I'm telling you right now, this is a picture of the modern day Christian church. 
We rejoice about God bringing people out. Now, I don't know how else to do this and just preach it. But I hear this talk all the time about all these people gave their heart to the Lord. We had 479 people give their heart to Jesus today. What's that mean? I, I mean, I'm watching. I, I'm, I'm not being mean and critical. I'm just being a fruit inspector. I'm watching. They're bearing the same fruit they bore yesterday. Wearing the same thing they wore yesterday. Talking the same way they talked yesterday. Taking the same thing they took yesterday. Woo! Sleeping with the same person they slept with yesterday. But we make it comfortable in the house of the Lord. We bring our past into the process and say, well, he brought me out. Of what? Well, he he delivered me from what? He delivered them from a geographical position, a place, a physical country, a nation, a powerhouse from Egypt. But just because they changed their geographical place did not mean they changed their spirit. And that's why Pentecost better be careful if we ever start walking down the road of confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart. I still believe you've got to be converted. I still believe you can be set free by the power of the blood and the power of the name. God, we got to be careful. We're rejoicing. We're rejoicing that he brought us out. But what did he bring us out to? Listen, the Lord did not bring them out of Egypt for them to pitch their tent in the wilderness and say, I arrived. Good to be here. And they start talking this language. It's amazing. The Lord brings them across the Red Sea. And then 72 hours later, they come to the bitter waters of Merah. They'd all just been dancing, shouting, singing the praise of God for bringing them across the Red Sea. And three days later, Miriam, Moses' sister, all their fam- they've all put their tambourines away. This is the danger of a praiseless church right there now. I can't imagine hearing the kind of singing we were hearing tonight just standing there looking at it. Sometimes you just got to move a little. I wouldn't even go to a dead church. Tell you, I wouldn't go to no dead church. I said, Pastor, what can I do with a dead church? Leave it. If they ain't going to preach the truth, leave. If they're not going to worship, leave. Find you somewhere where your family can be saved and get to the house of God. <laughs> they come to Mara. And all these people that were just rejoicing over what? What were they rejoicing over? Well, he brought me out. He brought us out. He brought us out. He brought us out. Woo! Look what the Lord has done. The horse and the rider. He brought us out. Three days later, they're saying, let's go back. Look, you saw Pharaoh, his men, the horse, and the rider laying on the banks. of. You saw it. You, you saw it 
laying there. And you're saying, let's go back. To what? Where are you going to go back to? You think oppression was, was hard the last time. You just wait till you get back the next time. You just wait till you walk in there the second time. And this time they treat you like some renegade that, that ran off. And you're going to have to pay your dues again. And it ain't going to be like it was before. Because I want you to understand that if a few of them would have went back to Egypt, not all of them would. And that's where the devil lies to us. He wants us to believe it's the majority that wants Egypt. But it's never been the majority. God's going to have a church. And God's going to have a majority. And if you go back, not everybody's going. <laughs> I feel tonight like my buddy, Brother Thornton. He says, some, he said, sometimes you got to stir it up to preach it out. It's true. Got to stir it up to preach it out. You, 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 you can't be delivered until you're sick of being bound. We were in the old building one night. The Holy Ghost was moving. And... People were getting healed. I, it was a special night. I was preaching on a Sunday night. There were people getting healed like crazy for some reason that night. It was just a powerful meeting. And if you were in the old building, it was just these two rows right here. And probably four or five rows back on my left, there was a man standing there. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me with the word of knowledge and said, I'll heal him right now. Of, and I don't remember what all it was. The Lord spoke it to me. It was his back and his neck and... Whatever it was. And so I got excited about that. I got crazy excited. And I took off running back there. And I jumped up on the pew. Like we still do that. I jumped up on the pew. And I was looking at people who were everywhere praying. And I said, hey, brother. And he was like. I said, the Lord just spoke to me. I said, do you believe that God can heal your body right now? I mean, man, I was, I was, I was like, wow. I'd probably pass out doing that now. I was like, hey, brother. Do you believe God can heal you right now? And I promise to God he's going. And he kind of cracks this little smile like this. And he goes, I don't want him to. I was like, I fell back off the pew, hit my head, got a concussion. I was, I was looking him right in the eyes, and I said, excuse me? He said, I don't want him to. I said, why not? He said, because I'm just about to get my Social Security disability. If I'm lying, I'm dying. God strike me dead in our church. He said, I'm about to get my check. The Lord spoke the number to me right then. The Lord spoke the number. I don't remember what it was. 20, 28,000, whatever it was. The Lord spoke the number to me and I said, sir, you're going to be in pain for the rest of your life for $28,000 or whatever it was. Because God could have healed you right now. 
He didn't bring you out to just leave you here. Several years later, I had a conversation with that same individual. And he came up for prayer at the meeting I was at. And the man came up and this is what he said. He said, I live my life in pain. And he said, doctors have done everything they can and they cannot figure out why I'm still in pain. He said, I've had surgeries. I've, they've tried everything. And he said, I have to take medicine. I don't, I, I don't know what in the world's going on. And I didn't throw it in his face. I wasn't mean. I wasn't disrespectful. I wasn't rude. But the Lord quickened that in my spirit. And I heard him say, I don't want him to. Until you get sick of being bound, you're going to stay bound. Can, can I just be honest and preach to you right now? The reason why some folk can't get over the sin that's in their life is because they like it. We got, a, we got an epidemic in this county of homeless people right now. I'm going to tell you something that's crazy. What you'll find out, they don't want to not be homeless. I'm lying, I'm dying. I watched this interview of this man the other day in San Francisco. They walked up to a homeless man. Look, he looked horrible. It, I, it was atrocious. His hair was matted. It was disgusting. And they were like, sir, what, what can we do to help you? Is there, like, if, if somebody could help you right now and give you a place to live, how would that feel? And so help me, the guy goes, no way, man. I don't want a house. He said, government's basically paying me to be homeless. And I'm like, well, I can criticize the government, but I know some churches. That are basically rewarding people to just stay like they are. We talk about God bringing you out over what you confess, but He don't bring you out to just bring you out. He brings you out to bring you in. You weren't just saved from sin. You were saved to something. Here they are. Bitter waters. Lord brought them out. Woo! Yippee, backflip. Let's do it. Brought us out. Now I'm bitter. It's a place of bitterness. Now I'm bitter and I'm upset. I want to go back. Listen to me. The place they were right then. You, you, you've got to understand the way human minds think. It's never changed in the 4,000 years since this, since this time. 4,000 years ago. Listen to this. They said, we can go back. Follow the logic. We're standing on this side of the Red Sea. God brought us through that. But it's easier for him to part the waters again for me to go back than it is for him to take care of me and me go forward. Are you following my logic? I watched him part the Red Sea. I know he can do it. And this is the danger. We're going to walk right back through what we know he can do because we saw him do it before. And, but, but now, if we go back, how are you going to get back across? Well, God owes it to me. He's the one that brought me here to leave me. He'll part it again. God owes that to me because I let him bring me out. You, 
I'm telling you, I'm preaching on Sunday night right now. There ain't a devil that likes it. Why would we believe that God would part that Red Sea and let us walk back through, but he can't take care of our tomorrow? He didn't bring me out for me to keep reliving the same old cycle over and over. How do you know he can do it? Because I saw him do it before. Well, if he could do that, he can take you to the promised land. This is such type of shadow. I wish I had time to preach this in the full depths of it. Listen, if you're going to go back into the Red Sea, you're going to swim with what was buried in it. Uh, there is such a dangerous thing going on, and I'm going to just say it openly. I don't, if it, if it dehorns every cow in Texas, I'm going to say it. I am not for apostolics getting rebaptized all the time when they mess up and say, I'll just get rebaptized. I don't have to get rebaptized to recommit my life to Jesus. I still believe in one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We got it. In our, it's in our movement right now. Preachers, apostolic pastors are telling people, yeah, well, you know, you kind of walked away from the Lord, so we'll rebaptize you. For what? Baptism is a covenant. It is not an exercise of free choice that's an outward response to my inward faith. No, no, no. A million times no. His blood washed me one time. And if I'll call on him and repent of those sins and live right, I'm all right. Is this all right? Well, if you ever said no, I'd be shocked. And then we got this baptism Sunday thing going on. Well, we're going to baptize people once every three months. Hogwash. If somebody's repented of their sins and they're ready for their sins to be washed away, I'll do it at 3 o'clock in the morning. Is there anybody here tonight that was baptized when it wasn't during a church service? Look at that. When did you get baptized, Brother Russell? Middle of the day, who baptized you? Him, Bishop Bingham, Bishop Bingham. And there was nobody at the church. It wasn't a big church day. Just got baptized. Where do you think your life would be today if we would have said, okay, brother, we'll baptize you in three months? When somebody's ready to walk out, let's pull them out. Let's get them out. You got to know that if he saved me from, then he saved me too. And this is the way it works. Well, I gave my life to Jesus, so now I'm going to go to heaven. I know what's going to happen. If I die, I know what's going to happen. Do you? Just because we said we've been brought out, it's a scary place to be. You know, guys are making... Making a, a part-time living right now. Doing funerals. Because 
we got a problem in America. I've got calls on several occasions recently. The funeral home called me and said, hey, these people just don't, they don't have like a pastor. They don't have anybody. They don't know a minister. They're, they'll just call in the office and say, hey, hey, we got a family here. Can you come do a funeral? I'm like, do they know me? Like, they used to go to our church. No, no. They don't go to church anywhere. They don't have a preacher. They don't know one. They're not connected to anybody. We told them you'd do the funeral more than likely if you had, had it free. And I'm like, let's do it. Now, I'm not being disrespectful. But then you, then you get there and they got the open floor thing. They'll scare me to death. Yeah. Open mic funerals are so scary. <laughs> you just never know. And they get up and read poems. Please understand, I'm not being a jerk. Please understand my heart tonight where I'm coming from. I've got a purpose for this. They don't have a preacher. They don't know a preacher. Haven't lived for God. It doesn't do any good to get up and read poems about crossing over. And tears coming down from heaven. And holes in the floor of heaven. You ain't going to go rest high on some mountain if you can't live for God. Why are you living? I hope security team's ready tonight. What are you doing this for, Pastor? Because I know it breaks the heart of God. We, we've got to start talking the language again that if he brought you out and he saved you from, then he saved you too. And he is a jealous God. He saved you to something. And what he saved them to was, he said, if I'm going to bring you out of Egypt, then you've got to get the love for Egypt out of your heart. And you've got to get the love for idolatry out of your heart. And by the time he starts delivering the law, it's apparent that they've been delivered from the place, but not from the spirit. Why, why did it matter? Because later on you find out when he gets their hearts in a better position. This is what the Lord said. He said, you're going to go possess the land. He said, you're going to live in houses that you didn't build. Vineyards that you didn't plant. But, he said, you're going to have to get in the groves in the high places. What's that? It's the places of idol worship. He said, you're not going to go in and possess the land and coexist with the thing that I set you free from. Well, then, then, why, then why, if he prepared the place, then why, why was there even idolatry there? Well, see, this is the part that I, I really can't wait to preach. I love it when God lets the enemy do my work. Because they're on their way to the promised land. To a place that God had Say that one more time. That God had prepared. Do you know how God was preparing it? He was making their enemies build their houses. And he was making their enemies plant their vineyard. I know some of you are cursing the enemy tonight. And you're looking at it. Brother Jordan, you said it. I, we can't do it. Look at what we are. We can't do it. Oh, you don't understand. Those giants that you're looking at, God prepared them for that place. God put them there. God's preparing that promise for you. Oh, God's letting the enemy prepare the place for me. Well, how are we going to drive it out? The first part that I read to you tonight, he said, Behold, I send an angel before you. 
Here's what you need to know. Before you ever fight the first battle to possess the promise, there's an angel that now this is not just any angel. When you read this, it's not just any angel. This is not just Elohim. This is a powerful angel. If you read it, the language of it is actually more like uh, the word that we would use now for theophany. This is the angel of the Lord. This is a particular angel. He said, I've sent this angel before you. And he talks different about this angel. He said, listen to the words that he says. Don't disobey the angel. It's a special angel. And he sends the angel before them. And when Joshua crosses over the Jordan River, guess what he sees standing by the wall at Jericho? An angel. Some of us look at that and say, Woo, wow, thank God when they crossed over, the angel showed up. No, he just finally started seeing what God told him was going to be there. The angel was standing there waiting for them to possess the promise. But if God prepared the place for you, then God's going to have to prepare you for the place. And you're going to have to get ready to possess the land. I still believe that God saves his church and God saves his people to give us the plan of redemption to bring us out of the world to fall in love with him to keep his commandments. Here's what we got. I want to get this to you tonight. I'm about finished. Here's what we got. We got Moses that can hear the voice of the Lord. We've got the commandment, but the very commandment that's being given is being broken because they built their relationship with Moses and not with God. Their relationship was with Moses. They said, oh, they're they're building them idol gods because they're replacing God. They could see God. Scripture said there was a great cloud over the mountain. They could see God. They could hear God. They knew what was happening with Moses. They could see God. They couldn't see Moses. And when they couldn't see Moses, they lost their direction. When they couldn't see their pastor. I wonder how many folks in this place tonight, can I just preach like my old bishop tonight? He used to tell us young people, next time you go to watch that, ask yourself, would I watch this if pastor was sitting right here? Because some folks get disillusioned when they can't see their pastor. And they'll say things they wouldn't say and watch things they wouldn't watch and dress in ways that they wouldn't dress if their pastor was there. Well, how do you know when God's really brought them out? When it doesn't matter if Moses is there or not. God took Moses out of the picture when they crossed over Jordan. God said, I'm going to show you how to possess. I'm going to put a love in your heart that surpasses your love for this world. Let's stand. I could preach forever. If he saved me from, then he saved me to. If he brought me out, He's going to bring me in. It is a prepared place. It's not an idea that God's making up as he goes. God has a plan. Somebody tell your neighbor that tonight. God has a plan. But now look at him and ask him, are you prepared for what God's prepared for you? Are you prepared?
I've shared this. It's been many years since I shared it, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to look back through my records. I believe it was somewhere around 2012 or 2013. I was awakened from my house on Whitehall Way in the middle of the night. And I heard the voice of the Lord so clearly, the way that he speaks to me. It wasn't an audible voice, but I could, I could hear the Lord speak to me. There had been a lot of people talking about going to heaven and going, you know, talking about the rapture. And I th- it's good. I think we should. I think we should talk about it. But the rapture has really become more of an exit strategy for a lot of people. It's like the ministry of extraction. When the pandemic hit or whatever, people started praying, oh, God, come quickly, come quickly, come quickly. For what? To get us out? Like, we may have to endure. And the Lord spoke to me in the middle of the night. And it was so clear. And I, and I want to make this very, very, very clear. I'm going to slow this way down because I want you to get this in your spirit. There's a lot of people here that have never heard me talk about this. But the Lord spoke this to me. He said this. He said, when my people long for heaven to come to earth. As much as they've longed to go to heaven. That's when they'll finally go to heaven. He said when they want my kingdom to come. And my will to be done in earth. As much as they talk about the ministry of extraction. That's when I move in their midst. That's when the will of God is done in our churches. As it is in heaven. When we finally long for heaven to come to us as much as we've longed to go to heaven. What's that mean? That means that we fall so in love with his plan. Out of love with this present world. Because when his kingdom comes, Elvis, my kingdom goes. If his kingdom comes, my kingdom can't stay. Pastor, do you know it's Sunday night? Oh, yes, I do. But God's reaching for somebody in here tonight. You've been saying with your mouth, let your kingdom come. But in your heart, you've been saying, but I don't want my kingdom to go. And so tonight, God is reaching one more time with his infinite mercy. For somebody that's willing to say, Lord... I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of wrestling with you. Tonight, I'm going to lay it all down on the altar. I'm going to submit my life to you without question, without reservation. Regardless of what anybody says about me, regardless of what anybody thinks about me, I want your kingdom to come in my life. A prepared place for a prepared people. Lord, let your kingdom come in us. Let your kingdom come in us. 